0: It's time for Love Talk with the Love Ladies, Kathy, Carrie, and Marley.
1: And good morning, friends, and welcome to Love Talk here on the Bridge Austin. We are excited to be with you this beautiful Saturday morning as we are enjoying this Christmas season in our series of embracing. Friends, we've been talking about embracing hope, embracing joy, embracing love. And today we get to talk about embracing peace. And I am Your host here on Love Talk with my beautiful co-host, Marlene McMichael. Marlene, it is great to be with you this morning.
2: Thank you. It is with you and with our guest. I'm very excited about it. And uh, the only thing that's odd is the temperatures we've had the last few weeks in the 80s. I'm not sure I understand (laughs) that, but... um, I, I'm determined that I'm going to get to wear a Christmas sweater yet this year, so we'll we'll see. <laughs> well,
1: uh, I will tell you, I think uh, it's a reminder that it doesn't matter what is going on physically around us; it really matters what is going on in our hearts during Christmas time. And and I say that I actually spent five years in Australia, so every Christmas we were in shorts and tank tops, sitting around a barbecue. Uh, preparing Christmas dinner so it was a very very different Christmas so every time that uh, it's a little bit warm during the month of December it always draws me back to Christmas in Australia and all the amazing things that I saw God do there Uh, amidst the warm weather and just getting out and about so much more. Well, Marlene, you did mention this. We are so excited today about our guest. We have an incredible guest with us. We're going to introduce him in just a moment. His name is Senator Brian Birdwell. Friends, I know if you're Texan, you are going to know this name, I tell you. And if you're American, friends, you need to know this name. And you need to know this man and his heart and what God has done and is doing through his life, through his family, through trauma and tragedy and upturn. He has walked through the fire, literally, as we will share with you, but he has walked with the Prince of Peace. And I will tell you, when you walk through something with the Prince of Peace, friends, you're going to get through it. You're not only going to get through it in survival mode, you're going to get to it, get through it in warrior mode. And that is what we have seen uh, God do in his life and through his life for this state, for his family and for this nation. So Marlene, I know that you have arranged all of this and I'm just so grateful to you, to, uh, for getting Senator Birdwell on the program today. Was this a hard task? I mean, do senators really, are they really as busy as everyone says, say they, they are or is it just, you know, was it uh, cotton candy kind of getting him organized this morning? No, Senators
2: <laughs> are very busy. I, um, I'm not sure they even know what's next on their schedule because it is, it's is—it's always jam-packed. And uh, so I'm very honored that the Senator could join us today, and I'd like to go ahead and introduce him, if that's okay. Um, I would love that. Well, first of all, let's 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 go over the verses that we picked today. You know, um, the one I picked is, "Now may the Lord of Peace Himself grant you." And in this case, I'm going to say me because all of us need some more peace. Um, but His peace, that He would grant me His peace at all times and in every way. You know, and uh, that's the Amplified version, and and that's important to me because. All times are not fun, you know, and, and all times are are not peaceful. And so he, the fact that God would grant us peace at all is amazing, but that he would do it in every way. You know, my brother in the last few weeks has gone through a, a major surgery, and uh, so... Um, in fact, I had to go down to San Antonio to be uh, with his wife during the surgery, and so it's been really sweet to um, see how the Lord has been there and given everybody peace and, and the recovery process has started. But why don't you share the psalm verse?
1: Uh, you know, I, and I, I just love that, that we have this verse to share, because during Christmas, you know, while we think everything is merry and 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 joyful and just um happy, happy, I know that this time of year can be incredibly difficult for so very many. And there is this scripture in Psalm twenty nine. So, friends, if you turn into your your old testament, kind of flip to the middle of your old testament to the book of Psalms and um over to twenty nine, skip down to verse eleven. Psalm twenty nine eleven says this. The Lord gives strength to his people, and the Lord blesses his people with peace. And friends, this is true when you're on your highest high mountaintop of life, and this is true even in the midst of heartache and disaster. And we are going to talk about that today. The Lord of peace, the God of peace, how he blesses us with strength and with peace. Friends, this is what is on offer for you today as we approach the Christmas season.
2: Amen. Well, I, again, want to introduce somebody I'm very honored to um, have spent a lot of time with and and worked together with at the Capitol, but... um, I'd like to introduce Senator and a retired Army Lieutenant Colonel Brian Birdwell. He is a native Texan and a decorated military veteran. Senator Birdwell is a graduate of Lamar University in Beaumont, the U.S. Army Command and General Staff College, and the University of Missouri-Kansas City, where he earned a master's degree in public administration. Senator Birdwell is a veteran of Operation Desert Shield and Desert Storm. He is a recipient of the Bronze Star for Exceptional Meritorious Achievement, a Purple Heart, and the Legion of Merit. Today, Senator Birdwell represents Texas Senate District 22 in the Texas legislature, a position he's held since 2010. There, he serves as chairman of the Senate Natural Resources and Economic Development Committee and as vice chairman of Senate State Affairs Committee. He also serves on the criminal justice and higher education committees in the Senate as well as the select committee on redistricting. Senator Birdwell is married for more than 30 years to his lovely wife, Mel, they have one son, Matt. Uh, he is a 2013 graduate of Texas Tech University, and they have a daughter-in-law, Anne Marie, and two grandchildren. But the story that we want to talk a little bit about today, because it is r- truly a, um, a raising out of the fire, <laughs> and that is that Senator Birdwell was on uh, – was on the second floor of the Pentagon when American Airlines Flight 77 crashed into the Pentagon on September 11, 2001. He was critically wounded and severely burned over 60% of his body. Nearly half of those burns were third degree burns. Today, after 39 surgeries, months of hospitalization, and numerous skin grafts, the Senator has made what can only be called a miraculous recovery. His life is a testimony of both his physical healing and of God's grace through Jesus. Welcome, Senator.
3: My treat to join you, uh, Marlene. You give the opportunity to be with you all this morning.
1: Well, I I would like to say as well, welcome back to Love Talk. It has been many, many years. I'm guessing probably 12 years ago. We were trying to uh, figure that out before we uh, went to air. You were the keynote speaker at a freedom dinner that – Evelyn Davison had organized. Evelyn Davison is the founder of Love Talk. She started this radio program over 37 years ago, and so it was a pleasure meeting you then. It's just a pleasure seeing your face today, and uh, we'd like to talk with you about this story. I know that um, you and your family believed in a living God long before 9-11 happened but what role did your faith play in your recovery through that process?
3: It, it was seminal. You know, I, I got that question a lot, Kathy. You know, were, were, were you a believer before September 1st? My strength was strong, but not as tested in those days. Um, I, I want to be guarded to the, to the audience on the questions you ask and, and the, the directness of the answer might be somewhat graphic. I, just, I want to give that disclaimer. I'm not going to show anything graphic, but, but depending upon your question, maybe. So one of the things that, in Christ's example in the Garden of Gethsemane and his prayer, Lord, pass this cup, but your will be done. The absolute demonstration of subordination. You know, the military is a culture of lawful orders. Um, I mean, it can be regimented. It's it's, But there's a... Uh, here's your mission. Get on with that sense of duty.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: We don't take an inordinate amount of time to complain about... And so while Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane is knows what he's about to endure physically, but I think his what really weighs on the Lord's separation from God the Father, having known the perfect relationship and eternal came with the Father. He's now about to be separated from that, whereas in my or immediately after I was to be joined with with my Lord and Savior, separated from him. And so, in that hallway as I as I am burning to death, and I I want to be, again, not graphic, but there came that moment as I am struggling to get up, struggling, that, that uh, survival instinct or the zest for living, so the Lord knits all of us in our mother's womb with that desire to live. Um, get up, couldn't, there was no way to... In fact, you know, there was no way to see which way is the danger. Um, and in those moments that I came to that realization where I stepped over the line from the desire to survive on this and live to stepping over the line that says, okay, Lord, I got it. Very loud voice, you know, I screamed out, Jesus, I'm coming to see you. It was not a Lord's amity, it was the wreck. Recognition that I the death that I was dying that morning, and knew that the confidence of where I would spend eternity because that's after I screamed that and I did what we in the military never I quit. I gave up, collapsed to the floor, and waited to die, and waited for that feeling of this old. As I lay there, I went from the absolute calamity of an eighty-ton bomb. That, 530 miles an hour. All of the the destruction that I'm 15 to 20 yards from the nose of that aircraft when it makes penetration. All of that calamity and all that violence. That in that moment of accepting my death and reconciling myself to that death, I went from that calamity to the degree of the peace and the quiet and the silence And most of all, of knowing where I would spend eternity. Because I made that that decision back in 1971. And just as there's no words to give you what it's like to live through that calamity, or words of gravity in the English language to give you what it's like and be completely at comfort, and the words you're concentrating on today, to be at Pete, because of where you're going to spend eternity. Um, there would be more saw fit that, you know, he does believe in catch and release. I'm not a very good fisherman. He is <laughs> yeah. probably the thing I enjoy doing the most that I'm not very good at, you know, <laughs> but, um, but there were many other challenges that endure in the coming weeks and months where, you know, I never asked, but I sure did ask. Why didn't you take me? Mm-hmm. Um, in my short sight in this human frailty, what he had in store for my life still, what I could see was the extreme pain threshold. of look, medical care in a burn unit, a, a burn is a terrible injury. What has to be done medically if you discern itself. And I was going to endure a. a and the Lord literally carried you through it.
2: Amen. Wow.
1: I'm that not... is just so incredible. I, um, I I mean, I just look at your bio, and it shows that you went through 39 surgeries. I, I mean, just uh, 60% of your body with 30 degree, nearly half in thirty third degree burns, 60% of your body covered in burns, and nearly half of those were 30 degrees, months of a hospitalization, numerous skin grafts. Like you said, pushing those, thrain, those pain thresholds to their absolute limit. Like, just cannot imagine uh, the type of suffering. You know, you just think sometimes God doesn't offer us the easy way out. Often it's his way. He doesn't offer us the easy way out. And you stuck with yeah. him as he took you through the long, hard challenges. Well, friends, we have got yeah. to go to our break. Um, Senator Birdwell, we are so excited to hear more from you, more about this experience, more about how you've seen God work in and through all of this, and the God of peace giving you peace that surpasses all understanding. And welcome back, friends. You're listening to Love Talk on the Bridge, Austin. Today's Christian Talk, 101.1 FM and 1120 AM. I'm Kathy Endebrock I'm in studio today with my beautiful co-host, Marlene McMichael. And, friends, we are so privileged to be talking today with Senator Brian Birdwell, a decorated Army veteran, a survivor of the 9-11 attack on the Pentagon, and, uh, and uh, just uh, an amazing, godly man. If you were wondering, are there any godly leaders? Yes, friends, the answer is yes. There are godly leaders, yes, and this is one of them. If you missed our first segment, friends, you're going to want to, after this program today, go to our archives at lovetalknetwork.com. And pull down that first segment to hear his journey during the 9-11 attack and what happened on that day. Well, Marlene, thank you so much for organizing, getting Senator Birdwell on. I will just go ahead and let you lead out with the rest of the interview.
2: All right. Well, in our first segment, the senator talked about the actual experience of when the plane hit uh, the Pentagon. And I think you said you were about 15 yards from the nose of the plane. But I've never heard the part uh, of what you felt as you were engulfed in flames. And uh, so that is very moving. And I I honestly do encourage people to go back and listen to that first segment. And so then you had to, when you realized God wasn't going to take you, but that you were going to live, you had to deal with the emotion of that, the trauma of that, and certainly all the pain of that. Uh, what part yeah. and role did your family play, and especially Mel, in that um, transition and that recovery time?
0: There, there are there are two elements that uh, that are that are at play here, Marlene. Because when inside the building that day, at the time of the attack, even though I'd survived the initial impact, the question of life or death. That day had still not been answered. In fact, uh, a wonderful lady from the Navy, Natalie Ogletree, um, from the Navy staff, just came across me. I didn't know her previously. She sits down with me, or I'm laying on the the, the floor in one of the hallways of the Pentagon. Dr. Baxter is attending to me. She kneels down beside me um, and reads the 21st or the 23rd Psalm. We say the Lord's Prayer together, and it's very difficult for me to talk because of everything I've inhaled in and, and, and such. And then she also reads the 91st Psalm over me. I'm eventually evacuated out of the building, and I get to Georgetown University Hospital, and I'm just skipping over a lot here. But, but we get to Georgetown, and like I said, the question of life or death in the building has been answered, but the quiet question of life or death that day has not and I come to that moment that is one of the most seminal moments whenever I, I you know, give my testimony, stand up and speak for a group of people. As I'm wheeled inside the emergency room at Georgetown University, and I'm the only casualty taken to Georgetown, there's a lot of voice commands and intensity, um, but no chaos. And I get wheeled in, Dr. Baxter, or I'm sorry, Dr. Uh, Williams, the uh the attending physician at Georgetown, comes to the left-hand side, My, the swelling of my face, my eyes are nearly closed, but I can see through the basically little slits in my eyes that haven't completely closed my my eyelids from the swelling. I can see in his eyes the gravity of what he's telling me. He says, Colonel Birdwell, we're going to do the best that we possibly can for you. And in telling me that and seeing the, the depth of emotion in his eyes, you know, I, I knew that while I'd survived the building, the that answer, you know the answer hadn't been given yet as to whether or not I'm going to die today the I asked for two things. I asked for the nurses to remove the gold wedding ring on my finger, and my hands look like five blackened hot dogs that have been attached to a uh, a grilled overburnt steak called the palm. You know, gold melts somewhere between 700 and 800 degrees, but my hands had melted long before that. And as, like that steak you take off the grill, as it cools, it hardens. And so as I've been coming from the Pentagon to the hospital and my body is cooling, my, the ring is, is not melted in my body, but my body's essentially melted and adhered to the ring. Judith Rogers gives it a tug, pulls it off, he gloves the finger, blood streaming everywhere. But I didn't want the wedding ring destroyed because normally in a burn unit or in, with a burn injury, whether it's a ring, a bracelet, a necklace, if that's the part of the body burned, it has to be cut off of, because if it's not cut off as the body swells from in, inflation, um, as you, as you know, the, that piece of jewelry becomes a tourniquet. And you can lose, you know, limbs and, and the like. Um, and so when doctor or when Judith takes the ring off, Major John Collison had come with me in the back of that fort expedition to get to the hospital. I asked her to, I asked Ju, uh, uh, Judith, give the ring to, to John and then give that to Mel and tell her that I loved her, that in that sense of peace, I was making peace with the finality of my life that. There was no, there was never an opportunity to talk to Mel that day. Um, but it was, how, how do I say this? Was, was John there you know, kind of like when, you know, uh, John the disciples at the crucifixion, um, comforting Mary, John Collison is with me so he can eventually comfort Mel because I'm saying my last word, what I think are my last words to John in that emergency room. I then asked for the hospital chaplain and chaplain Ferrillo comes to the right hand side and we just, she just recites a prayer that, that basically says, you know, Lord, if you've brought Brian to the Georgetown emergency room and under your care and, and direction as the great physician, you guide Dr. Williams and his team and Brian survives, we'll salute that flag and we'll move out with that mission. But if you have brought Brian here so that you can quietly under the care and compassion of his fellow Americans, quietly calling him into eternity, we'll salute that flag too. And it was that sense of subordination, the peace of knowing, just like in the hallway, that whatever decisions are going to be made here by my commander-in-chief of my eternity, um, I'll subordinate myself to those. And I looked at Dr. Williams and said, let's get on with it, you know, resting in the comfort of who is in charge of of my life both physically and eternally. And then the it's you know I going from the fire to the or the frying pan of the fire there were very difficult days in the burn unit that I was absolutely blessed with Mel living her wedding vows with a, with an incredible rigor. Um because of the the nature of pain medications, pharmaceuticals, the the things that uh, blur your memory. I have memories of ICU, but they're not chronological in their order. And the things that I remember most are the things that are so emotional, not necessarily um, a practical memory. The emotion of being wheeled into the, to the what they call the hydrotherapy room, and I assure you it's no spa, but it's where they clean you and scrub you. And betadine, some sort of chlorine derivative you know, that's it's water, but all those things are in it to, to clean you and disinfect you. And as the nurses scrub and wash you, I mean, it's like that cut you had on your kid as you know, as a kid, and your mom puts the rubbing alcohol on it, and it has that sting that really, you know. Precise sting, but it's in a single area. But imagine it being sixty percent of your body feels this way. And then the nurses are are scrubbing, and with a trach in my throat, and an air, you know, a, a respirator is doing the breathing for me. A nurse is actually doing the bag and drag, is what it's called. Um, only the Lord can hear me scream. And and Marlene and 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 Kathy, the uh, there were many days. Weeks, I, I would say seconds and minutes that you're just, I pled for the Lord to finish this. That my, not only my own physical agony, but Mel's emotional agony and watching me go through this. And in my heart, I, I really was only trying to hang on long enough just to say goodbye. And the night of the 11th, the Surgeon General, of the Army General Peake comes to the hospital center because With all the calamity, the Army, all the services are trying to get a handle on where all our casualties, you know, there are people that are unaccounted for, but they weren't in the building that day. But people may not – they were at a meeting some other building, but they didn't know that they were at that meeting. So getting accountability of everybody that's missing is taking an immense amount of time. And then all the different hospitals that have received people, and the most serious are those that are – they're at the burn, you know, the regional burn unit, the Washington Hospital Center, and – which is in downtown DC and General Peake comes at about one, two in the morning. Mel's there and Mel getting there. That's its own story, but. Um, General Peake arrives and, and she, she, he and Mel come into the, the room. I don't know though there. I'm sedated, intubated and wrapped like a mummy. Um, and General Peake, you know, asked Mel if, if our son Matt had come to see me yet. And Mel said, no, he's not ready for that. And, you know, you don't get to be a three-star by being a dummy. And so he very wisely chooses his words and says, you know, well, you need to get your son Matthew up here to see his father as quickly as you can. And Mel would very wisely process what he was really telling her. And that's your husband's dying and you have a short window with which your son can come say goodbye. And when Matt, when Matt made that visit, he came in with some of the the Redskins players because uh, they were there visiting with, with you know, because it's the official hospital of the Washington Redskins. And, and, and he uh, comes in with some of the football players and I'm wrapped up and, and, and I really needed to, I've been asking about Matt to the, I can't speak. I can only just mouth and, and there's a tube in every orifice in my body. You know, I mean, every, and, Matt comes in and he's wearing a little baseball cap and and uh like I said I, I I can't speak I can just simply mouth and you know I said I love you son and I um uh, it's this a deep scar but and he says I love you too dad and seeing the emotional reaction on my son's face and going through that and and in the 20 years of military service that's the hardest thing. That I've ever been asked to do In my entire life Because when it was done It was kind of like And again I'm not trying to compare myself to Christ But in the in a senior subordinate way You know When the Lord Was on that cross and he said You know It is finished I was having my it is finished moment Because after that visit I got to see Matt I got to say goodbye I was like okay Lord what are you waiting on? Um, it's time to end this, and and then that anguish would continue in ICU for another three weeks. The scrubbing is the the only real comfort you have is in the operating room when you're completely general anesthetized, sedated. Otherwise, it's just how much agony can you sit there and lay and enjoy? Or endure, maybe enjoy is not the right word. Endure while you're laying there, conscious. And and what was really hard, that emotional day was hard. But what was really hard after that was the day I got. It was a, it was a. Most people were very joyous. In fact, I, I was told a story that when the in the Army Operations Center, Secretary White gets an update from Medcom because you know the medical command guys you know where all the patients are and and you know Colonel Birdwell came out of ICU today and there's a big cheer in the Army Operations Center but there there wasn't a big cheer in my heart even though it was a, a, a day to be okay yeah I'm out of ICU the, the the angel of death is not standing in the corner waiting because um, that's in an ICU that's the angel of death standing there just waiting for the order. But and now I've survived it. My body is a complete train wreck. And now I'm dealing with the emotional agony of how do I provide for my family? How do I how do I you know be the father I, I wanted to be? The Matt? How do I be the husband of Mel that I wanted to be? Because I'm sitting here looking at a, a broken body that I'm going to spend months and for folks. The, my total recovery took four years. Um, that was a hard, emotional day. Um, it was one to be happy about, but now I'm, now I'm looking at the tunnel and I don't even see a light at the end of it. And I had a, one of my pastors from our church in, in Virginia at a Emmanuel Bible, Jack Elwood, you know, you need that. And I, I it's a funny thing to think of and, and say, but. You need that pastor on staff. That mercy is not his spiritual gift. Okay,
2: <laughs> I understand you know? that. I understand that.
0: You know that that he, he channels his best gunny army. You know, <laughs> and Jack can, and look, physical therapy is I mean, when they're bending and cranking. I mean, when you're having to get a, a shot of Delauded before physical therapy, that ought to and delated eight eight times more powerful than than, than morphine. I don't to tell you what kind of physical therapy you're going through, and Pastor came to see me, and uh, he said something that that initially, I mean, I knew it was true in my heart, but it initially infuriated me. But it, again, it's that I needed to hear it. He says, "You know, Brian, God doesn't waste our pain," and I was I was I was really upset because it's that's true. But I was like, "Why is he letting it endure?" Again, it wasn't, why you know, why me? It's, why didn't you take me? I could not see, other than the, the the immediacy of the agony in front of me, there was no way to see. I mean, I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, and I don't see what he's got on the other side for me. I'd finally eventually get discharged from the hospital. I'd go in and out for, for various uh, um Various things related to quality of life, and a, and a repair here, repair there, um, uh contractual releases, things of that nature. Like I said, it was a, a four-year process. Um, but until I, I got to do a couple of things, I never really understood what, what the Lord's mission was for me here. And... After I'd gotten discharged, there was a, a young man that was in a car, a terrible car wreck, was b- badly burned, and I got to visit with him. Just this fireman had come to see me and and, and the like, um, similar to the cancer patient that's that has survived that comes alongside the cancer patient going through it. Pick your pick your uh, your your injury, your malady, and. And having somebody that's walked that path with you and, and in second Corinthians, you know, speaks of comforting others as we were comforted. And so I, I recognize what the Lord had, had allowed me to go through. But the things that are the most recent, um, the most recent thing that, that are experienced that Mel and I were just absolutely blessed that the Lord didn't take me is four years ago, a little over four years ago, when our first grandchild was born, the number of things that Mel and I have gotten to see, and look, it's not just public service as a state senator. I mean, that that is an honor that I'm, I'm always going to be proud of, and I'm not trying to make light of it. But getting to see Matthew graduate high school, college, get married, and then that first grandchild, when we were at the hospital in Fort Worth and 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 Marie, you know, gives birth and they're ready for, for us to come in and see Matt, or not Matt, but, but Elijah in the, the, I guess the you know, the, the, they've got him wrapped like a, you know, uh, really tight, you know, I don't know what they, what you call it, but <laughs> I mean, you know, he looks like a little chicken nugget laying there, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> so that's why we call him the nugget, you know. And, uh, but, so Mel picks him up because, you know, I, I can hold him, but, my range of motion is, you know, I didn't want to drop him. And so Mel's holding him, and, and we got to see him, and, and what a blessing. And then, you know, we were only in there for five, seven minutes, and put him back in the, the little the incubator baby thing. And then we stepped out and walked down the hallway to a, a more secluded part of the hospital, and Mel and I just had a, a great cry of joy because of all the things that we thought, that she would see as a widow. And, yeah. And so, the, and, you know, this past Christmas, I had a significant medical event. I had a heart attack, a piece of, no, no sign to it. In fact, my numbers were great, but I had a piece of plaque break off, lodging, uh, what's called the widowmaker, and only one out of four people survived that. Here I am, you know, Lord, you know.
2: <laughs> well, I would say that God has, Yet and, a plan
0: for you. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And so, and I'm, and I know we want to say on September 11th, but, but in that same piece, just like in the Georgetown emergency room, I mean, it feels like a bayonet's in my chest. Um, waiting on EMS to get here. It's four in the morning. And we just had that prayer, but it's Mel with me now rather than, um, rather than Natalie. And it's just like, okay, Lord. If this is how you're calling me, so be it. Be with Mel, Matt, and Ann Marie, the grandkids. Guide and protect and care for them in my absence. And resting in his comfort of being the commander of not just my life, but of my eternity. And the day will come when that prayer will be, will be lights out. But, but it's that sense of subordination, the peace of under. The peace that passes all understanding, because his ways are not our ways, it's just that peace of knowing that I'm not in charge. Our sinful nature is to decide for ourselves, and it's that, that military culture of subordination. Just as Christ subordinated himself to God the Father, we subordinate ourselves out of a sense of peace, not just subordination, but a sense of peace that says, I know the Lord's got this. This may suck, but it's only going to suck as it's filtered through his hands.
1: I like the way you said, you know, and Senator Birdwell, I I just know that there are men listening right now, women listening. And what you said, I love what you said that I was completely emotionally broken. How can I provide for my family? How can I be a father to my son? Uh, You're watching Mel go through this as well. How can I be a husband to my wife? And I know that there are, Men listening right now who are right in that same place emotionally that are feeling broken and and not looking at the future and they do not see, like you did not see the light at the end of the tunnel. They could not see the light at the end of the tunnel. And it took you four years to get through and get completely on the other side of this. And so, friends, this is, you know, the answer may not come in January. The answer may not come next week. But as you walk with the Prince of Peace, he will cover your heart and mind with peace, and he will get you through this. And this is what I love, Senator Birdwell. Not only will the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, get you through this, but he will redeem every hurt, uh, every trauma, every yeah. single thing that he takes you through as you turn your life over to him. He will use it for his glory and for good and for wonderful yeah. Things And, you know, I love that you and Mel, you said that you had uh, that time together after you had seen your grandchild, Elijah, that you just stopped and kind of had yeah. a cry and seen everything that she thought that she her life was going to be like. She thought she was going to experience these things as a widow, and yet uh, he didn't. God said, no, I have something different for you. Yeah. And uh, I just, I love that. Yeah. It so lines up with his plans for us in Jeremiah 2911. well senator we had just a short time left in this segment before we uh wrap up and go into the next segment and thank you so much for being with us all three segments today we get you for the full hour and we so appreciate that with your busy schedule um but before we go out can you just tell us was there a scripture that you held on to that the lord used to sustain you and lift your spirits in your darkest hours
0: Absolutely, it's our byline verse, First Peter five ten, and it's after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And so, whether your suffering is is financial, physical, um, uh, emotional, marital, professional, whatever it might be, national, uh, I think we're going through a period of national suffering. The the Lord, will, you know, keeps his promises. Um, and so when Mel read that scripture to me the first time, because she would come into the, the ICU room and read scriptures, and she picked out the word suffering one day, and uh and we'll talk about it more in the next uh, second.
1: Okay, I love it. We sure will, friends. Go grab your Bible, New Testament, First Peter five ten. It's towards the end of your of, of your New Testament. Peter, James, and John all hang out together at the at the end there, right before Revelation. So you can find that scripture. We're going to have hear a word from our sponsors who keep Love Talk on the air every week, and we get to wrap up and hear more from Senator Brian. And Welcome Birdwell. back, friends, to Stay Love Talk. Us. I'm Kathy Endebrock here on the Bridge, Austin, Central Texas Christian Talk. We are talking about embracing Great. peace, and friends, we have Great. Senator Brian Birdwell with us. It has been a fantastic program. If you have missed it, you can get it at our archives at lovetalknetwork.com. Well, the beautiful Marlene McMichael uh, just said, you know, we're going to be talking about embracing peace. There's only one person who can talk about this rightly, mm-hmm. and that's Senator Brian Birdwell. Um, friends, you can go and get his book and hear this incredible story. We've been talking about it in our first two segments of uh, just his his experience at 9-11 and his recovery through that, his four-year recovery through that. His book is Refined by Fire, a family triumph of love, a family's triumph of love and faith. Now, Senator Burnwell, um, you know, everything that you went through, the excruciating pain, the long recovery, at, at you say at several points, you were completely broken. You could not see the light at the end of the tunnel. But yet, if you go back and you talk to your wife, Mel, now, and you ask her, was it worth it? She'll say yes, because she, of the the depth of the relationship that she grew oh, in really. with Jesus. But now for you, you yeah. say, I wouldn't choose it, but. <laughs> I,
0: I probably would have been a bit disobedient to the Lord that, you know, unlike Christ in the garden of Gethsemane, I would have said, Hey, peace. I'm out of here. You know, kind of. A, <laughs> um, I, I, um, I, you know, and that's, and look, may I, may I emphasize something here for a moment, Kathy and, and, and Marlene, if I may. I had, I had probably two minutes inside the building to think about my death, but no notice of it. Christ had all eternity before he ever arrived, knowing the death that he would die because of his omniscience, and yet still came. Now, that's a level of subordination and dedication, you know, so I didn't have to, I didn't have to, to, the the blessing, you know, somebody else got it worse. I didn't have to stand at a window at the North, you know, the the North Tower of the World Trade Center and think for 45 minutes or an hour, should I jump or die here? The Lord had all eternity to know the death he was going to die and still did it out of faithfulness and sinlessness to the father um was it worth it yes and look here's what i let me tell you this is going to sound strange maybe let me tell you what i miss about the events of september 11th and and the the recovery process and the immediate aftermath in those days i'm i'm praying to not hurt i'm praying to be able to take I mean, on September 12th, the nursing staff took me up and made me stand. On the 13th, they make me walk a lap around the nurse's station, which would be akin to, you know, walking around uh, a, a Ford pickup. And they keep working me and making me participate in my medical care. And the agony of that, and pleading for the, you know, the mercy of death. In that, I learned, I I had a closeness with the Lord where I am having a prayer before the meal, when the meal comes, you know, I want to step down care. Lord, let me be able to open my milk carton on my own. Lord, let me get to the restroom and, you know, urinate on my own. You are praying for such things that on a day-to-day basis tell you how broken your body is from being a healthy person to being desperate for every element of what you're doing in life. And in making those prayers and seeing, you know, measuring just inch by inch by inch to get to what's called the activities of daily living where I can be discharged from the hospital that won't happen until just before Christmas. Um, there's a closeness with the Lord that I miss intensely. Because now that, you know, 20 plus years later, you know, I'm not praying to open my milk carton. I'm not praying to go to the restroom. I'm not praying to be able to, to you know, walk down the hallway. I'm not, because I've come out of that depth. And so what I miss about the depth is how every moment of the day my relationship with the Lord is intense Amen. because of how desperate I am. Amen. I,
2: mi-
0: I don't and miss so, the desperation, but I miss how close it is.
1: Well, and, and I imagine these days you are praying, Lord, please don't let me strangle the senator sitting next to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or that, tell, uh, t- tell us about, uh, well, can... tell us about this in the legislature. Give us some insight here, your key goals. How, how does this work? Because for, you know, I know Marlee knows the ins and outs of the state legislature and you have to, I imagine, keep such a close relationship with the Lord to really direct your steps and direct those relationships that are around you. Um, because everyone is key to advancing the right thing and not being a misdirected or distracted by the wrong
0: thing. Well, it's, it's, it's twofold to your, to your question, Kathy. Look, in our human frailty, look, yeah, there are times I want to lay on a hands, but lay on a way that the United States Army taught me, not the way, you know, you lay on (laughs) in, in church. Okay. Um, and so, but you also recognize that while while somebody that that may disagree with you on a policy position today, on the next bill tomorrow, they're going to be you know be, agree with you, and it'll be a different senator that'll disagree. Um,
2: that actually reminds me of a saying I've always said, which is you can't burn bridges in the legislature because you don't know when you're going to walk across it <laughs> or when that, you yes need ma'am. to walk across so. it.
0: But then the the other question as to when you talked about doing what's right. That's the, the critical statement because who gets to define what's right? God giving us his, his direction in biblical scripture of what his principles are as it relates to not just what the proper role and function of government is, the proper role and function of the church, proper role and function of the family, how they integrate together. You know, the church and families make great citizens. Government gets a benefit from having great citizens. Um, but the, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, is that whether it comes to, you know, not to get into the depth of all all policy items, but that's a human life in the, in the womb. What do we do to protect that human life? Go back and look at what scripture says about it. Um, murdering somebody versus, versus taking a life in self-defense. Those are two different things. Um, proper, you know, proper role of government in bearing a sword against those who would do evil. What you know? As as it relates to you know the, the seminal decision of a country or is war, um, those policy positions all stem from our national history as a moral people stemmed in Judeo-Christian culture, mm-hmm. and not every not every issue is going to break. Morally that way, you know, what, what's the latest thing we do with technology to make sure the government's not keeping track of something that you know, those don't necessarily, necessarily you know, <laughs> That's
2: not what's, the Bible. You know what,
0: what were they doing with their cell phones, you know, in the book of Isaiah, you know, it's not, but, but the principles are there. You know, when Christ tells the disciples, carry swords, it doesn't mean that we all should, we should ban guns and, and go back to edged weapons, but it means that the, the creator of the world and Luke 22 is telling people, you have the right to self-defense. So,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and there are, look, there, there are good people on both sides, some that I will profoundly disagree with on nearly every policy position, others that, and then there's even folks on my own side of the, of the aisle that we will disagree on, on a policy position. So it's how do we wish to be governed and doing that within, inside God's principles is absolutely the best way to a free an ordered liberty society. Uh because I'd everybody love says, that. you know, you gotta yeah. get, you know, when everybody says, you know, we need to get God out of out of government, I'm like, you know, no, I, I think we need him a little bit more because, you know, when everybody <laughs> says, Well we need to get God out of government, I said, okay, so I look forward to reading your first bill that says you're going to repeal the murder laws. You know? I mean it's just Yeah.
1: Well so, and you know As I think a nation so much what is our
0: moral need... compass?
2: Yeah.
1: And and we need we need that moral compass. We need peace. We need unity. And I love that Christ calls himself uh, that he says he is the Lord of peace. And he even prays to God for unity. And so I think the more we take him out of government, the less unity we have. The less peace right. over our legislators that we have. And your 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 lives are already um, so full and so challenging. Uh, you need that piece to cover you. And I, I know, I yeah. imagine that you really appreciate people praying for you as well. As absolutely.
0: Senator. absolutely. Just as it said, you know, pray for those in authority, and I very much appreciate that. And my, my favorite, my two favorite books of the Bible, Old Testament is Proverbs, New Testament is Romans. Um, I spent a lot of time in Proverbs because um, they're, you know, Solomon was the second wisest man to ever walk this earth, and there's a, a lot to learn in there and, and reiterate um, we also have a uh, there's a, a gentleman that uh, uh, performs as a, as a chaplain for us that I you know we can call and visit with as necessary. Uh, there is a Bible study that uh, that is is uh, uh, bipartisan, um, and so there are there are opportunities to to have that fellowship with the Lord because if you're not anchored there, you're just adrift. Um, and I I pray that the Lord gives me the strength to be the senator. I told my constituents I would be.
2: Amen. Well, I, I thank you for today, Senator, and I, I just um, – I'm honored to know you and to have worked with you and and honored to have you on this show. Thank you for your service.
0: Oh, my uh, treat, my privilege.
2: Well, it is Christmas time. Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm going to let Kathy close us out because it's that time.
1: You bet you, friends. Well, it's been a wonderful Saturday morning. Thank you so much for being here on Love Talk with us today, Embracing Peace. With Senator Brian Birdwell, friends, you can find it at our archives at lovetalknetwork.com or our podcast at Lovetalk, all one word, network, or come see us on Facebook at Lovetalk Radio. We love you, friends. Thank you for being with us. We look forward to being with you again next Saturday
3: at With Lovetalk.